Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Cherry Fisher May, co-publisher and event producer for Ind Media, including ABiz, Acadiana's business magazine. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Cherry Fisher May. I'm sitting in today for Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch, Acadiana. There's an old saying in property development. Land is valuable because they're not making any more of it. In reality, in the U.S., there's around 80,000 square miles per person. But for whatever reason, most of us don't want to own our own 80,000 square miles. We want to live near other people and close to a Walgreens, which makes certain pieces of land desirable and others not so much. And that brings us to the three golden rules of property, which are, of course, location, location, location. In Acadiana, the family-owned BO Properties has been honing their land and property development skills for over a hundred years. And today, BO Properties is one of South Louisiana's largest office space and retail property management firms. Jennifer Whitmore has been with BO for 26 years, <clears throat> most recently as Vice President of Real Estate Operations. Jennifer, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. It's hard to drive around Lafayette and other parts of Acadiana without seeing the name Sterling Properties. That's because Sterling has 12 million square feet of managed property that stretch from Jackson, Mississippi to Bossier City, Louisiana, and another 60 million square feet for sale or lease. In Lafayette, Sterling's senior retail leasing and development expert is Ryan Pecov. Ryan, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hey, Cherry. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Jennifer, we'll start with you. Before 1979, BO was mostly focused on agriculture. That's correct. And it's since had this incredible expansion to include over a million square feet of commercial space, and that includes land, industrial parks, storage facilities, retail centers, and commercial office buildings. Right. So BO's gotten really big and really successful uh, over the past hundred years. And it's a family business, which anybody in business understands that that's a unique situation. You know, uh, I'm in a family business. We've done lots of stories in ABIS through the years about, um, uh, you know, the challenges of family dynasties from Abdallah's to the McElhenney's, you know. And so Correct. this is an opportunity for us to have a, a little bit of insight into one of the families that is really thriving in the 21st century. You know, some of those family businesses, those business models are, are older now, and, and those families aren't so vibrant anymore in our community. But BO is really 
you know, hitting its prime, actually, if you look at, at what's happening with the company. So what's it like working in that family environment? Um, you know, is, is the vision for the company driven more by you and your management team, or is it more driven by the family, or do y'all work together in that way? We, I think we have our challenges there, but we work as a team. Um, we're very fortunate that the family does have insight and uh, they do uh, hear anything and everything that we ha bring to the table. And they have their own opinions, of course, and views, but they do have great insight for the future of the bio companies. And I know they interact really well with the local community when I think about where the properties are and, and the development that's been going on, particularly on the uh, I-49 Future Corridor, Highway 90, and working so well with the Broussard, the power structure in the Broussard area and some of the visionary there. Some, some insight to that, Oh, maybe? great. Uh, they, they work very well with the council, with the chamber, with all involved there. Um, uh, they are a team player um, and love the insight of the future that's coming towards Broussard. And they're and big, big drivers in that too. Absolutely. Well, the next question I'm going to throw at you, Ryan, um, because um, you're such a, a huge player in a lot of what's going on in, in and around Lafayette. The list of companies you've negotiated for retail and commercial space is literally a who's who of American commerce and certainly some game changers here in Lafayette. Um, quick list, short one, there's lots more. Uh, they include Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, Staples, Petco, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Popeyes, AT&T, the list goes on and on. So when companies this size need a location here in the heart of Acadiana, do you go to recruit them or do they find you? How does that work? Uh, it's a little bit of both. You know, for instance, we're developing uh, the Ambassador Town Center in Lafayette on the corner of Collis Saloon and Ambassador Caffrey Parkway, which is about 450,000 square feet of, of net new retail to Lafayette. And in that instance, you know, we really sought out those tenants to fill those 60 acres to be able to put together a performum and, and, a, and a project and, and bring it all together. Now, part of that, though, isn't we just said, here's a piece of land, let's control it and go find people that make it work. We knew with our relationships throughout where we work in the Gulf South that these guys wanted to be in Lafayette. And it's either because, you know, they weren't here and they had competition here and they knew how, how well their competition was doing and they wanted a piece of that pie. Or in certain circumstances, they have, you know, many companies, these national companies have sisters, you know, concepts where, you know, Marshalls owns also Home Goods and TJX, and, and the Marshalls is doing well, so they want to bring in their sister concept and do a combo store and, and things like that. So it's really a combination of, of both. Um, and, and to get those stars aligned is really the hard part because all the big boys are sheep. They truly are sheep. They're very scared to take a step off by themselves. So when you put together a deal like this, during the crafting processes, you know, each deal is contingent upon the other where, you know, Dixon and, and, and uh, Field and Stream say they'll come if Marshalls comes. Marshalls says, well, we'll come if Nordstrom Rack comes. And you can see the, the you know, the, the problem with that is nobody wants to jump first. So that's really the, the biggest kind of, um, component it's hard to to manipulate is to get all all of these different companies that have these huge committees and processes to get them all aligned to agree that we're going to open in the spring of 2016 and that decision's made 
in the fall of 2014. And so you, there's just a lot of those kind of components that you have to align that they, they create, you know, I guess more of the art of what I do as opposed to the science side. So I guess m in recent years with Lafayette being out of sync with the national down cycle, we've probably been an attractive market for That's a right. lot of those big companies. Sure. That's about to shift. I right? doubt it. No? No. Um, the reason being is if you look at Lafayette's store sales volumes, you know, the Academy, the Target, um, so on and so forth, they've been so high above their national average in Lafayette that even if, you know, because we're having some layoffs and some cutbacks and salaries and things and, and you're going to see some, some of their sales compress, I don't think they'll even compress to a point where they're at national average. So these guys have really been living a dream here, which is why we've seen the major influx of, you know, between the project that I just mentioned and the Whole Foods Anchored Center and some others. You know, we're talking about bringing, up, bringing on 750, 800,000 square feet within a 24 plus month period. That doesn't happen very often. So you deal a, a lot with the, these big names, these big national brands and, um, I'm just, I'm just curious, Jennifer, how does that maybe contrast with what you do at BO? Or is it more similar to what Ryan does or do you have a more unique role in, within the BO companies? Uh, we do a lot more office space. We do have retail centers and we do do big box users. We develop Walmart, Home Depot, out in Broussard, Walgreens. We can do build to suits. We have residential subdivisions that we develop with major uh, home builders in the area. Uh, we just did apartment development. Um, but yeah, we can do it all. Uh, from office buildings to shopping centers. Uh, we have the land, we have the know-how, we can do it. And it's pretty much turnkey, right? Yeah. Within the company, yeah. everything. I think big companies like Walmart and AT&T, they have those super duper attorneys, those powerhouse guys uh, that write leases across the country. They deal with folks everywhere. They're highly specialized. What's it like when you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those guys? Uh, who calls the shots? Do y'all negotiate or do y'all, uh, is there any wiggle room there? I love it. You know, I, <laughs> Going mano and mano the, with, the, with the big New York guy. The, the, the bigger, the better, the nastier. Um, I, I love it. Like, and, and I know one of my biggest flaws in, in my career is I'm not good with mom and pops. I'm not great with the locals. I don't communicate well. I, I'm very much big picture and, and, and want to have that, that weight on my shoulders. Um, you know, so when it gets to, unlike Jennifer, where they do everything in-house, they, you know, they've got all their counsel and, and, and it's all kind of close-knit, we have internal paralegals of Sterling Properties, and, they've, and they're great. And they've seen the gamut. With the, the 13 million square feet you mentioned, we've done leases with about everybody. So we kind of know how that works. But you know, more so than the lease, you know, my expertise is in the, the business negotiation. You know, the lease is 120 pages of which 110 of them are, are legalese and it's just a bunch of verbiage and you have to make sure that the commas are in the right spot. And, you know, there's other technical components, you know, REAs, ECRs, cooperative endeavor agreements, all those kind of things that are in shopping centers. But the, the heart of, of the negotiations is up front. I mean, it's the economics. It's, it's the restrictions and the co-tenancy and, and that kind of stuff. So when, when, you're, when you're meeting face-to-face -face in you know, New York or at a convention there or Vegas or Dallas or whatever, I mean, when I pick up the phone, it, it's, it's rarely to somebody in Louisiana. It's, it's somebody in another state in, in a big metro area. Those are, the, those are the most fun days. When you get to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and, and just hash it out and, and 
you know, when you win consistently, it makes it even more fun. I got a feeling that's the real insight into that discussion, Ryan, is <laughs> the, the consistent wins. <laughs> well, Acadiana is steeped in tradition, uh, even in, in property development, but times are changing, and part of that change is being brought about by our next guest, which is UL Professor of Architecture and groundbreaking architect, Corey Saft. And we met Corey through Innovate Acadiana and the Opportunity Machine, those are regional nonprofits that help Acadiana entrepreneurs turn innovative ideas into profitable enterprises. And also, I think a, an intermediary was Dr. Blake Escudet. So, Corey, thanks for joining us at the table, and welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. He's also won an InDesign Award or two, I think, from I our have. sister publication, The yep. Independent. Um, Corey, you're one of the country's select LEED certified architects. L-E-E-D is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. You're the designer of the Le Bois House, and the Le Bois House is an eco-friendly home that generates its own electricity. I read that it only costs 10% more than a regular house to build, and presumably you'd get that back in a few years. Why couldn't we build every house and office building like that? We could build like that. We could have, we could be completely off all kinds of energy that are off-site, but it takes a certain will, it takes a certain investment up front, uh, it takes an infrastructure, and that's uh, a slow process to, to bring about. I've always felt that when you get lead, the, the cost can get, the overrun can you just get out of control and it blows up your budget and you're, and you're hoping to get a bunch of tax credits to offset that, but then you can kind of check off that I did something good for the, the community and the world. So and you're talking about that in terms of the infrastructure, the cost of construction? Yeah, the cost okay. of construction, mm -hmm. the bricks and sticks. I mean, if we're only talking X amount percent more and I've got a depreciable life of my asset over whatever time, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's two things at play here. One is getting certified, which is a whole, there's a bureaucratic element to it as, as well as all the steps you take to make your building perform high. There's a whole series of simple steps from just the massing and the orientation, being aware of what side faces south, you know, how you insulate the exterior walls, what kind of glazing you use. And those things are, at some level, rules of thumb. And when you combine that with quality construction where you're actually taking the time to build it so it's, it's not a leaky building so that when you actually begin to use a mechanical system in there, it, you're getting the most out of it. And you build your envelope in a way that you can reduce that mechanical right. system. And th that's really the big payoff is that when you can have a quality and durable construction on the outside shell so that you can reduce the mechanical system, that's where you start to, to yeah, save. So it's, you're much more practical in this manner than I've heard other people talk about it, where they want to end up with the green walls and you know all the other stuff. And I, I know you, yeah. I'm sure there's levels you those can things take are, it. Those things are great. I mean, that's the design level of green design. Right. But the kind of the pragmatics of just making a building perform well are. I mean, it's not rocket science. It just takes a, a someone who is concerned and has a consistent attitude towards drawing that right. into the drawings. So some people come back and retrofit with adding solar panels or this or that or the other. What, what are the options to go back and retrofit um, an existing structure if somebody wants to jump on this? It, it can be difficult. The easiest thing usually is windows. I live actually live in an old house, and so we have uh, recycled Cypress windows. They're single pane. They're seven foot tall, two foot wide. And in the wintertime, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but I can stand across the room and feel a breeze. Right? That's just going through those single pane windows. So if you invest in high quality double pane windows, that's going to make a huge difference. The building envelope is a little bit more difficult when on a renovation, on a, a reuse of something. So Jennifer, what part of your job gives you the most satisfaction? 
Well, we do, I do a lot of property management and I think the, the thing that gives me the most satisfaction is customer service. Um, we, I call it baby our tenants. <laughs> Uh, we have a great set of tenants and we have a great staff that um, I guess the, the best way I could describe it, go-getters, they are. Um, I think uh, the day, a couple of times I've had uh, tenants leave and then they call me back and say, Jen, you know, I can't believe we left. You guys have great customer service. and." and tend to all our needs all the time. And that I really enjoy the most about my job. And how big is your staff? Uh, we have three service guys full time and we have uh, three girls clerical in the office. Wow. And wow. myself and Steven. Busy. Um, Ryan, your dad's a well-known architect in town. And yeah, he's your all right. <laughs> your, degree, your degree's in business from UL. When you finished school, did you see yourself going directly? Did, was that a, the, the first industry you, you went into, was, was this type of? Um, it is, and actually, my first technical employer was the B.O. companies. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I, when I went into, into to UL, I, I really, my initial plan was to go into architecture and, and follow my father's footsteps. And then at some point in, in that process of growing up, I realized that I wanted while I still love the development and the design and the construction and all those pieces and parts, I, I wanted to cut my own path and not necessarily just follow it in, into his firm and, and take that over. So I thought about work different opportunities that had you could utilize that same skill set and that same passion, and real estate was one of those. Um, I got some guidance from, from a, a mentor uh, here in Lafayette and who's a, a successful developer, and he said, look, the one thing I didn't do right was I didn't learn how to lease. He said, go learn how to lease, and then you can do everything else. The other, the other parts are just numbers and, you know, on a page, and, and you figure those out, but that, that skill set of leasing. So I did that. So I spent you know, the long part of my career, the front part of my career, certainly learning how to lease, and I still do a bunch of leasing, but it's a development side that, that, that's passionate. Um, so I guess you know, I, I'm a little jealous of, of what Corey gets to do, and, and, and from you know, putting the lines on paper and, and creating beautiful things. You know, a lot of my lines on paper are really on the ground. It's the site work, it's the, it's the layout uh, of, of what a development's gonna look like and I turn it over to the right people and, and they, they take it vertical. I'm gonna ask one last question of Corey. Um, the, um, you know, a lot of what, what Jennifer and Ryan deal with are, are measurable market trends and, and, and data points and all that kind of stuff, but moving uh, a traditionally conservative market like Acadiana into a completely new concept in terms of how you power your home or your business. Um, has there been much resistance or acceptance? I mean, how do you sense the, the, the market opportunities for, you know, lead type construction uh, in, in a, a community like Acadiana that's so conservative? It's slow. It's slow, but there are definitely people out there. There's a whole other generation that is coming along, and, and it is what they want. They want the, they want those kinds of uh, that kind of energy efficiency. They want kind of transit-oriented living. They want to be downtown. They want to walk places. They want contemporary places. And so, as as that generation of both buyers, renters, builders, developers comes online, we're seeing it slowly transform. If you look over the last ten years, I mean, it's 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 almost. It's kind of a direct line going up 
in terms of the number of, of properties that you see. And housing, of course, is one of the more difficult ones for people to, to take risks, to go away from that traditional sense of home. But these, you can have a high-performance building that looks like a traditional home if you want. So I said I lied. That's not the last question. I have one to go around the table with each of y'all. One of the biggest changes that's going to happen in, in what y'all do and how our community evolves in the next year in, or two is going to be the implementation of Unified Development Code. Um, I know I saw you run at some of, the, some of the community meetings at the chamber and this and that and the other. Uh, just quick, quick answer around the table. Um, I think people generally think it's a good thing for our community to, to, to have finally a Unified Development Code for Lafayette Parish. Um, quick quick uh, uh, prognostication from each of you about how, what the impact's going to be on, on Lafayette as the, uh, as the code comes into to force. I think in long term it's going to be really good. The clarity that's going to come out of this will, will drive development in the way I think we want it to drive. I think there's going to be a big transition period when you lose the pyramid uh, zoning. Whereas before, a place like Cameron Street could redevelop in all kinds of fantastic ways. It could become another magazine street. Now it doesn't have that option. And so there's going to be a while here where things have to kind of refine themselves before we g get our, our rhythm back on, I think. Any thoughts, Jennifer, on that? It's going to impact y'all? I agree with, that, with what he said. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to better Lafayette. Awesome. All right. I've got a kind of uh, convicted yet jaded opinion because I, I, I was very involved. I was on the, on, on the committee that kind of steered that. Uh, I've got some penmanship in, in the actual document itself put a lot of hours into it, um, and it, it's going to be better. And I, I, I can tell you that. You know, the, the, the issue is the typical kind of fear-mongering of it's change, and change is bad. And, and you know, my, my, some of my real estate colleagues feel that you know, losing that, that pyramid zoning scheme is, is effectively government taking from people because they could now – used to do all these things, now they can only do this. Well, what we kind of had really wasn't zoning. You can go build up a residential neighborhood in an industrial zoned area. That, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it needed to be tiered out. It needed to be broken down. And, and what's coming online from a zoning perspective, it's not perfect. And I think the new administration needs to consider uh, extending the amnesty period to make some rezoning a little bit easier, more administrative, if obviously it's not something that's obnoxious. Um, but beyond the zoning, you know, you really get in the guts of, of some new things that were added. You know, for instance, when River Ranch was, was developed, you know, the developer there was required to go get almost 300 variances to just put a beautiful project together. It, it was far too difficult to build something nice. So when they, they add the MX zoning, that creates some flexibility and, and, and allows for, if you, if you bring a building up to the street, then you can utilize street parking and offset some of what you need. And there's incentivization for... You know, if you cluster some trees together, you can do less green space here because you're making a nicer area. You know, it talks about curb cuts and, and how that's going to help traffic flow. So there's a lot of components that, that people really haven't had a chance to digest. Well, it's a big document. It's a complicated document, but it, it definitely, you know, points the, the ship in the right direction from, you know, we were just, we had an okay thing and it, it, was, it was adequate, but it wasn't great. It didn't, certainly didn't promote the comprehensive plan, which everybody was invested time and energy and, and, and the, 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 was voted on here by the, the folks in, in Lafayette that we wanted a plan. We wanted a, a, a direction to go. And I think the UDC is going to get it there. And there's going to there's gonna be some hiccups and there's going to be some modifications, but it's, it's the right document at the right time. 
Well, Lafayette's going to continue to grow, Lafayette Parish and the city, and the, th the three guests here today are certainly going to be part of, of that, that vision. Uh, Ryan Peco and Jennifer Whitmore, property development is one of the engines of economic growth for us here. Corey Saft, smart architecture is becoming more valuable and necessary as our energy needs change. So I want to thank you all for everything you're doing for Acadiana Business, and thanks so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Jennifer Whitmore, the Vice President of Real Estate Operations, Bio Companies, Ryan Pecco, Senior Retail Leasing and Development Expert at Sterling Properties, and Corey Saft, Lead Certified Architect and Professor of Architecture at UL. You can find out more about Ryan and Jennifer's properties and Corey's designs by following the links on our websites. That's krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermillionville in Lafayette. Cafe V is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. The technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Dominic Lloyd. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Our theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. And you can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's acadiana.com and krvs.org. If you want to know what we look like, you can see photos from this show on our website and our Facebook pages. These photos were taken by Gwen O'Quinn. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off of Pinhook near Collie Saloon, offering a complimentary airport shuttle within three mile radius, reaching downtown, shopping, and local restaurants. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Cherry Fisher-May, sitting in for Peter Rusciutti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including Lafayette and Lake Charles. Providing personal and commercial banking treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.